Hello everyone and welcome back to the Charming China podcast. I'm Isabel Sum and I've started this podcast to create a deeper cultural understanding between the East and the West and to let inspiring entrepreneurs in China tell their stories and how they succeeded in their business. Today's guests are Julian and Christophe from Juke, two industrial designers and entrepreneurs from Belgium and France who have designed many fascinating products in the past and present. We talk about the crossover of local culture and international influence and the advantages that arise from this hybrid in their designs. We also discuss important IP protection tips and the challenges in the Chinese market, which make it one of the hardest to compete and succeed in. Lastly, we talk about the future trends and lifestyle products from Chinese culture, which we will most likely be seeing in the next 5 to 10 years. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. So my name is Julian, Julian Gunning. Uh, I'm from Belgium. I've been in China for about nine years, uh, five years in Guangzhou, four years in Shenzhen. So for me, I've been in China for like six years and a half, almost. I came initially for my studies in Shanghai to finish my master's degree. And then quickly after that, I moved to Shenzhen where I launched a first startup. And then from there, I, I stayed in Shenzhen and, and, and thrived. Nice. Cool. And so you two are working together now on Juke. Yes, exactly. What is Juke? So Juke is a design studio. We have been uh, launching it like it's been over two years now. Mm. So actually, I mean, maybe we need to introduce a bit of background on mm. how we get to open Juke. Yeah. So right. because Julian has been in China for quite a while. Yeah, nine years as I mentioned. But yeah, I'm, I'm an industrial designer. I studied in Switzerland and did my first internship in China uh, in a small city not too far from here for a um, manufacturer that produces for IKEA. And so I enjoyed it. I spent six months there, uh, went back to finish my university. And during the six months, I, I met somebody. So I, I came back uh, for that person uh, about nine months later. And so since then, yeah, going from one job to another, trying to uh, survive at the beginning and then meet the right people, start a brand. I, I had the chance yeah, to, to meet these three partners with whom I started a watch brand called Grey Hours. Is that one over there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw it when I came in. Okay. And uh, so that project took about three years uh, from really beginning to end. I was responsible for as much the design and the production, uh, the branding behind. And about yeah, three years in the making, it started to pick up some uh, speed. And I did enough of my part for them to have fun for the next uh, five years. Mm -hmm. So I decided yeah, to do something else. I got an opportunity in Shenzhen. Uh, where I stayed for about a year. It was for a famous uh, American design studio called Karim Rashid. Uh, and during this one year in Shenzhen, I met Chris, which was doing his own project, uh, which was very interesting. And so I joined him. Uh, and about a little less than a year after, we started uh, Jigo together. And then so on my side, so as I explained before, I came for my, uh, my studies in Shanghai. And because for me, China was a, a big question mark, you know, it's like everybody talk about China, but not, nobody really knows what is happening there. And as an industrial designer, I really thought, okay, everything is made in China. So there must be some interesting opportunities for a designer to, to move there. So I picked up a school that had the branch uh, in Shanghai where I could uh, do my master's degree. 
And then when I arrived in Shanghai, I, um, I loved the city, but I, I felt it was a bit like Paris for me, like very in, uh, international and already well uh, installed, I would say, and not much factories, actually. So I started to look for another city where I could do my uh, internship. And then by doing some research, I, I found an offer in Shenzhen. And at that time, nobody knew about Shenzhen. So I did some uh, research on Google, and I asked some person, people saying, like, uh, yeah, Shenzhen is like, it's a manufacturing hub, but besides that, nobody really knew we were able to tell anything about the city. So I just thought, okay, let's let's give it a try. And so I took the internship offer. And when I arrived in Shenzhen, I was really amazed by what was the city. You know, it's like totally different from what I had in, in mind, from what people telling me. You know, like people were saying it's a factory uh, world is like very polluted, charcoal mines everywhere, <laughs> children in factories. They really had like a very <laughs> old school image of what was uh, Shenzhen. And when I landed uh, in the place, it was like a blue sky, the sea, like greens everywhere. So really I was, I was wondering like, how come people have such a different image of the city? And then I, when I did my internship, I started to understand why. It's because the city changed so quickly uh, over the years that people that came to Shenzhen like maybe 10 years ago, today is a totally different city. So, when I realized this, I felt like, well, this is a place where I should stay more because there is so many things happening. This is so fast that people cannot keep up with what is happening there. So as a designer, it's a very exciting uh, environment because it's where you can really bring different ideas and see them happening uh, almost in real time, you know? So from my internship, I, I started to work on like, basically it was very simple. Uh, Julian had a kind of similar experience is people sourcing product in factories around, uh, around Dongguan, Baowan, and those kind of places. And so they find a product, they kind of change the color, change the logo, change the packaging, and, and, and sell it to Europe or US as a sort of brand. And this was a huge business in Shenzhen. Like, uh, I mean, it still is, but yeah. it was really, really huge when I, f I first get in Shenzhen. Everybody was doing that. And so as a designer, it's not a very exciting thing, you know, just to repackage existing products. Mm -hmm. But it was a way for me to get my hand into factories to understand more about what is going on here. And then from that, uh, with my previous internship boss, we, we started to discuss about launching a, a real product, something that we will invest, create an original design, and launching on a crowdfunding platform. And we had an idea of uh, launching a product where you could combine the traditional watch and the smart functionalities, because you had that, all this smart tracker movement starting to pick up. And our idea was to combine the traditional watch world with these kind of functionalities into one product. Instead of having your, your watch on one hand and then your, your fitness belt tracker on the other hand. And this for me was really the experience that made me decide to stay longer in China. Mm -hmm. Because I really realized that what I could do in Shenzhen, I could not do it anywhere else. Because we could go to one factory to another in a very quick amount of time. From the ID, just quickly go to check if it's possible to do it. And all the design process was very exciting, you know. I, I did some quick 3D, directly working with the engineer, and then from that we send it for 3D printing. So the next day we have the mock-up, then we go to factory, we can check the material. Two weeks later we have like a, a working prototype. I mean, this is crazy. And, and as a designer, it's like a paradise, you know. From your ID, you can quickly know if it's doable or not. So at that time I was still like finishing my master degree. And right after I passed my uh, final examination, the next day I was on the plane, I flew back to Shenzhen, 
and then we launched the Indiegogo campaign uh, in US, mm -hmm. and it's been quite successful because we raised like around 400,000 US dollar, and we were like a really small team. We handled everything ourselves, and it was a really good school for me because from industrial design, I had to design a lot of new things like the UI, the app, uh, the app. Uh, mm -hmm. of the product, I had to design the website, the display, the, the packaging, the logo, like really everything. And this opened my vision that from just making products, actually you can have much bigger impact if you design the brand as a whole, you know, and you can really implement better your vision. I work on this project like for over a year, and then after that, I have been approached by the investor of the, the brand, to help them to set up an incubator in Shenzhen. And you know, I was just barely finishing my studies. I already kind of get involved into like launching a product on Indiegogo. And then somebody came to propose me to open an incubator. It's like a lot of new things. And, and for me, I was still like a yeah, fresh mind out of the university. So a lot of things I had to learn. But yeah, it's just here people are willing to give you challenges if they feel you have the, the guts to, to take them. So for a year, I focused on creating, trying, trying to develop this incubator. And the idea initially was to help international entrepreneurs and creators to enter Chinese market. Because I started to realize that uh, it was very difficult for uh, foreigners to settle down and launch products for Chinese market. And the investor had a, a very good e-commerce platform. So I thought maybe we could connect the two together and it helps them to, of course, manufacture the product here. But then second stage would be to help them uh, selling product in China. And so I started to gather a team working on that, working on the how to make an acceleration program and those kind of things. But after a year, my investor had some financial issue. So this project has kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. But in parallel, I started to, to have a different uh, vision is like I realized actually a lot of Chinese companies were looking to move to global markets. So it was quite of opposite of what I thought initially. Mm -hmm. And then we we started to have a lot of requests from Chinese clients to do design. And that's where actually I connect with Julian because we had a huge amount of requests and I felt okay we need to really create like a design studio to start to answer all these uh, requests. And so I, I pitched the idea to Julian. Julian was very motivated to join. And then together we started to initiate this uh, kind of design uh, hub within the incubator. And then so when the incubator had to stop because of lack of funding, for us it was a, a no-brainer. We said, okay, we just keep going into the design things. We can see like it's really developing quickly now. So we kind of just picked this design hub and then put it under our name. That's why Juke actually, because Ju is for Julian, Ke is for Kodo, my Chinese name. And then behind it is like, is, yeah, as I explained, is the first vision was helping local Chinese company to move to global market. Because being in Shenzhen and in China, we realized that most of the startup here is like engineer driven. Like the founder most of the time is an engineer. So they have very good technology and they have very good uh, manufacturing supplies because they are located here. But they lack of like the branding and the understanding of the international market. So both of us having a huge experience if in working with international clients, we felt okay, we can really add a lot of value to them and really help them to succeed overseas. So in the past two years, we have helping a lot of local companies to develop more international brand image and to start to move to Europe and US markets. And we get a lot of recognition for that. So yeah, that's uh, the aspect where we help local companies to go international. And we have this new 
um, direction that we're digging into is where we design products for local companies, local brands that we like. We just launched uh, our first uh, Bluetooth speaker actually with a company called Sowu. So it's a very traditional Chinese company uh, that has some Chinese heritage, cultural heritage inside. Uh, most of the collaboration that we do with local companies are like this. And so what they offer actually is a class where you build your own wooden product. Uh, and so they wanted to have their first kind of electronic product in their product line. And kind of explain, uh, there's still this assembly system, you know, traditional mortise and tenon. It's called Sun Mao in Chinese. And so yes, this traditional architectural aspect of assembling two different pieces of wood without screws or glue or just purely uh, analog way of assembling. And so yeah, the, the speaker itself was very inspired by this. So, some other brands that we collaborate with are, uh, you know, Baijiu, Mijo, some, we do cultural projects, like we just finished designing a, a city in uh, Guizhou. A logo, not the city. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the branding of the city. <laughs> nice. uh, but maybe yeah. just to give a little background before, uh, to explain also, because this is a, a new for us. So as, as I explained at the beginning, it's like we were realizing, okay, we have a lot of potential startups around us that have very good technology that want to move to global market. So initially, we're only focusing on that because we didn't thought we had any legitimacy to work on Chinese market because, you know, we barely speak the language, the culture is, is very different. So we felt this is, is too big of a barrier to really develop product for Chinese market. But then, I mean, we've been here for like three and 10 years, maybe six years. So we started to yeah, dig into the Chinese culture, try to understand a little bit more. And then something also we realized is like the new generation in China. So that's what we call in China, in China is like the 90s, 90 plus. These mm -hmm. people born in the 90s. So today are getting like between 25 to 35, I would say. And this new generation in China is, is much more global than the previous generation. Their mind is much more open. They have been traveling like around, around the world. A lot of them have been studying abroad and then came back to China. So this creates a new dynamic in China. And then we can see that a lot of very big brands uh, in this market, previously they were focusing on like cheap products, uh, very few marketing. Most of the time it was more like following the international trend and like copying and just put it cheaper in China. But now we can see happening a new wave of innovation is really this kind of hybridization between local culture and then uh, international influence. But it's not only about just following, it's really about creating something different. Um, and then, as we can explain, it's like more and more, especially the past year, we had this kind of local company that came to us. And instead of just focusing on overseas, they say, we want to work with you guys for Chinese market. Mm -hmm. And initially, we were a bit surprised, you know, why us and not the Chinese company? And the experience is like, we have the Chinese understanding of the market, we have the Chinese heritage, but you have a different vision. You, you come from overseas. And they're interesting to see how the two can connect to create a new kind of product for Chinese market. And especially this new generation in China. And so we give it a try. We had one, two cooperation. And we, f we saw that the Chinese client was very happy. And then customers were also very enthusiastic about the design. So this gives us more confidence to explore more deeply. And we're also trying to experiment a new business model also uh, in this area. It's instead of just sending our services like you want to design because this much and then, and then done. We are looking to have a deeper cooperation with local brand. Again, because we believe Chinese market is completely changing right now. 
and this offers a lot of opportunity for a new brand. So for us, there's more interest to support the brand to grow and then share the, the profit rather than just have one-stop design and then, uh, and then let it go. And so as Rien explained, the first co-branding that will be released on the market is a Bluetooth speaker. And we will see this year, I mean, Juco is like very experimental, you know, we, our vision is evolving uh, at the time the company is growing. So previously it's like from local to global, now it's like more global to local. Mm -hmm. And then we will see from there how it, how it goes. Mm. But I mean, we're in love with Chinese culture and we really feel excited and, uh, and feel lucky to have the chance to work on so many uh, great projects. Like, for example, the tea industry, uh, we are really in love with, uh, with the history and the heritage behind this. And we can see a lot of Chinese brands are concerned that the new generation is switching to coffee, uh, frappe, latte, I mean, a lot of different things. And, and are, those companies are concerned that, like, will they still drink tea, you know? So, for example, maybe Julian, you can tell more about that. We have been to uh, Pur in Yunnan. Yes, this um, Pur company. Um, so Pur is a traditional Chinese tea in China, for those who don't know. And so there's a region in China, in Yunnan, called Pur. It's very famous because it's on the Silk Road and it used to be the hub where most of the tea trading was going on back then. Uh, and so we were invited there for them to kind of show us how the tea is made, where is it produced. Uh, because they hired us yeah, to redesign their branding as well as their packaging. And it's one of the biggest producers of poor. So yeah. Very big. Uh, yeah, huge. This is a, an amazing honor for us to be part of this yeah, renewal of this, um, this cultural renewal as well. Because there's, of course, a new approach to it. There's a new customer to it, which is the, the, the 90s uh, Chris was talking about. And yeah, it's, it's really a, an amazing experience for us. Yeah. And each project is an opportunity to learn so much about Chinese culture. You know? yeah. I mean, we kind of knew about tea, but then we took the flight, we go into the tea field, we learn about the whole process, we have all the degustation with them, and, and, and this is like, each project is a way to learn a bit more about Chinese culture. And this is what we love for our job, you know, is like we have so, such a high diversity of projects. It's like everything we do is also huge learning for us. So it's we give, but we also receive a lot, and then we really like this uh, attitude. Yeah, and this experimental part Chris was talking about, where, I mean, we are two European designers who are designing Chinese cultural heritage uh, pieces. So, I mean, it's, it is experimental, but we're very satisfied with the work that we are providing uh, in this area. And yeah, I think it's really something new. Yes. Yeah, I, I look at the speaker, it looks amazing, and I can really see the, the benefit of basically for the young Chinese generation who are kind of themselves in this finding phase of like, yeah, I'm Chinese, but I have so much international influence, so how mm. do I incorporate this? Um, so yeah, I think your products then and your designs really uh, help with that. Uh, we, we thank did, you. Thank you. We did this <laughs> one project, which is a, a chair, where uh, we were invited to Dongyang, which is uh, very famous for the traditional Chinese assembly and, and manufacturing, wood, wood, and wood assembly. And um, so we were asked to design a traditional Chinese chair with our design kind of influence. And so we tried to, it, it's purely uh, yeah, experimental again, combining kind of a Bauhaus identity with a Song Dynasty identity, Song Dynasty which is quite minimal, Bauhaus as well. So they do have similar philosophies behind it, but different approaches. And so, yeah, creating this hybrid design, yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite fascinating to, to experiment with this. Mm -hmm. 
I think yeah, we're a bit extended behind your first question. <laughs> yes. <but laughs> no, it's great. I okay. don't want to stop you because okay. it's so interesting. <laughs> we don't need to even read the question. Okay. Um, so now you also have employees, right? Yes. So they are, as far as I can tell, Chinese? Yeah. Yes. Okay, All so, so um, is that also helping to uh, for you guys and them to uh, build the fusion within the company, kind of? Yes, and, and about that, I mean, you know, we really started the two of us. Like, uh, at that time, we had uh, no money to invest in, this, in the company, so we really started from zero. But like zero, we didn't even have an office. We got crappy computers. We didn't have a computer, <laughs> we had like our old stuff, yeah. no desk. And like the first client we had, we bought, uh, we went to Ikea, we bought some desk. Second client, we started, okay, we know we can maybe register the company. That's a client, we move into our uh, kind of co-working space. And like in the past two years, we've, we've been to like six or seven different offices, you know, from co-working space. As the team was growing step by step, we had to move in a bigger and then bigger and then bigger space. Mm. And for us, yeah, we are, right now we are like uh, eight people. Uh, one is an intern. Yeah. And right now, yeah, yeah all of them is, is Chinese. Yeah. Uh, we, we do collaborate a lot with uh, international designers, freelancers that really specialize in one specific field, which we don't excel at, like animation or illustration, illustration this kind of stuff. So, but this is the chance that we have as well. The world is small today thanks to internet and we are able to find the talents that are very, very good in that specific field and that share yeah, an identity that we like yes. and we manage yeah, to contact them easily and get to work with them. And also, as as our name uh, in Chinese, which is Chu Ke, means so the Chu means square, the Ke means carved. The two of them is like a, it's very hard to translate literally, but it expresses like this kind of feeling of focusing on quality rather than quantity. And for us, it has always been the very clear since the beginning. Is we don't want to become a big design studio. We want to to stay within ten people maximum. So it's having a core team here that is really highly qualified. Uh, from graphic to product, and then uh, today, like uh, design studio is also redefining. You know, it's like people start to work a lot remotely, traveling everywhere in the world. So our vision is like having this core team to define all the creative direction, to lead the creativity, and then around us we have also, as Ryan mentioned, we have freelancers, we have part-time people based in Beijing, Shanghai, Canada, France, like really all over the world. And then depending on the project, uh, we can also tailor-made tailor the, the team to really be able to have the best answer. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And this we can keep, we are very flexible, very agile, and we can really yeah, bring the best output for each product. And this for us is very important. Mm -hmm. and, and to, to get to your initial question, yeah. actually <laughs> the, the fact that we are a Chinese company, uh, I mean, that, that most of our employees are Chinese, is necessary in the sense that Chris and I do not write or read Chinese. Uh, we can speak the language, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that we, we can go around, but... Yeah. Uh, but so when, when a customer comes to us and asks us to design their logo, uh, or to even come up with a name for their brand, we do need help, that's for sure. Uh, and... But even this way, I mean, it's, it's always interesting, this kind of mix, because sometimes yep. we're gonna... Is even if we cannot read Chinese, we're gonna bring some ID, and then they, they say, "Oh, I didn't thought of that," and then, boom, then we can find the name. So it's like a really back and forth, and the team sometimes bring ID that we don't know or we didn't had ID, and this is the magic of having different culture working together on project. 
is there is some uh, always unexpected discoveries. Yeah. yeah, I guess it kind of brings out the element of humanity in a way because yes. if you cannot understand each other from the language, you have to find common ground, which is just a basic human understanding yes. of whatever your yes. message you are mm -hmm. transmitting. Yes. What do you think is the most like advantageous for you guys of being here in China? Is it really that the market is new or is it really the mix of cultures or the possibilities, the growth of the market? Why do you choose to stay here but and not maybe move back to your mm -hmm. countries or another yes. country? So Shenzhen itself has 6,000 design companies, which is a, like that, yeah. a number that we learned not so long ago, which is just huge. Uh, but yeah, we do stand out from the 6,000 because we're not trying to become this mass production of design. Uh, many of the big design studios that we know and that are very famous here do have armies of designers. There are 500, 1,000 strong teams. And yeah, they mass produce industrial design. So we really try to differentiate ourselves by crafting and, and spending time and trying to make something that is of quality and reason. And uh, why why you were seeing here is, I think it's a bit of a combination of what you just mentioned, you know, it's like, uh, today uh, there is a lot of things happening in China and uh, of course I could uh, go back in France and then uh, open the design studio there, but uh, I think right now the um, center of graffiti is moving to Asia, you know, this is where really things are getting done, moving fast. Yeah, when I go back to France, I feel like, uh, of course I love my country, but I also feel it's like uh, much slower than I would like, especially when I get the taste of Shenzhen, you know, it's like everywhere else is super slow. So I appreciate this like uh, attitude in China that they are really getting the things done. It's not everything perfect because they do it very quickly, but at least it's moving further and, and they have a very lean attitude, like lean process. It's instead of trying spending a lot of time to do the first things perfectly, they will just focusing on bringing quickly to the market and then from this first product they will learn develop a better version and then a better version until they are becoming uh, one of the market leader I would say and then for us this is a, the perfect environment because we can bring a lot of ideas and, and, and something also I just made just think of it is like the vision of success and failure in France for example if you do something and you fail people can really judge you for that you know and, and this refrain a lot of people to try different things. Here in China, nobody cares about uh, whether you fail or succeed. It's like you learn something and then you move on and you do something else. Like the, the first watch project, uh, we had some issue and then I had to stop working on it. Then I moved to something else, but I didn't feel it as a failure. It's like I learned so much from it and this experience I bring into my next project, which also fail, and then I bring it to my next project and this one so far is succeeding. But it's just people here are, yeah, it's easy. You, you fail, okay, you have a good attitude, very optimistic about the future, you move, you move on. In, in front, I feel like you fail something, it's really stuck in you, you know, it's like you cannot move on. It's like, it's like uh, a label. Yes, you cannot exactly. Get it off. exactly. So this fresh ground, I think especially for young people that have a lot of energy, it's a great uh, opportunity to really try and see how it goes. And then uh, after, you know, I mean, we, both of us are wife also, in, in, which is our Chinese, so we are, I mean, we are involved, we are surrounded by Chinese culture here. And I, I love the Chinese culture, and I, I really feel China is, is also uh, my, my country. So <laughs> today, like, yeah, France and, and China is the two countries that really are in my heart, and, 
and right now I'm here and very excited and I have no plan of moving anywhere else. And I, many people would think that one of the reasons why we're here is because it's easier, but that's really not, not at all the case. <laughs> I mean, like I mentioned, 6,000 design studios, yeah, there is a lot to do here, but yeah, it's not the easiest decision that we've made neither. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of challenges. And I think with the experience that we accumulated here, uh, it would be easier for us to go back and to create something over there. But I think we're as well, like Chris mentioned, so addicted in a way to this rhythm and to this constant innovation and challenge that it would be tough to go back. Yeah, that's really an option. A lot of people have or start to have this idea of, of China, everything is possible, you go there and then boom, you're gonna make a ton of money. Actually, it's not like that. It's, it's, I think today China is becoming the toughest market because there is such a high competition on anything. Like Europe is becoming an easy market compared to that. You can see like all the Chinese electronic manufacturer brands that are in China. Today, if they were in France, they will totally destroy the competition. Like there is no competition compared mm. to what they achieve. Mm. And here, because you have to fight much stronger, then you become much stronger. And I love this kind of feeling of the challenge that makes you grow even uh, further. And that's where I'm, I'm here also, is I'm challenged every day. I mean, first, it's not my culture, it's not my language, it's not my country. And every day is like a slap in your face. And this push you to, to go further and then become better. Mm. And uh, I'm addicted to that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the speed and the competition is uh, quite fierce here. And yes. then they, it makes everyone evolve more. So I'm interested, in, for example, what are your biggest challenges here? Let's say, except for maybe the language, which is kind of probably a big problem in a way. But what other challenges are in China that you think compared to other but on, on the business side, I definitely, again, related to language, um, you know, not only language, but the, the structure itself. Um, how do you do business in a country that you do not speak the language? Contract related, uh, all of the legal aspects. So all of this is things that we learn on the go as well. This is a challenge. Yeah. And something I will, uh, yeah, I will say I'm, I'm feeling not frustrated, but I wish this would be different is like, in France, whenever you look, you know, you, you can become French. People will accept you in the society. Here, I will always be the white Warren because I look different from China and there is so, not such a high diversity here. So even though I've been here for quite a while, uh, I would always be seen as a foreigner. And I think this is a bit frustrating because I know even, even if I, I live here for 50 years, I will always be seen as a foreigner. And in that sense, China is very hermetic to, uh, to foreigners to settle down in China. I, I mean, I've been here for six years, and ten. We can see it's becoming better, but still. it will still be this kind of uh, blocks, and it's hard to enter. So I think this is not a difficulty, it's more like a frustration, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, beside that, I mean, I came here quite young, and I made most of my experience in China, so yeah, for me here, it's quite, quite, quite good. I'm wondering, as a design uh, company, uh, do you struggle with, let's say, copies, IP protection, things like that? So this is a question we have a lot. Yes, it, we, there's two aspects to this. The first is, like we mentioned, we're in Shenzhen, things go so fast that this issue is, is almost a non-issue here. Because if you're the one trying to copy others, you're not the one leading the market. And labels are very clear, and then you're very conscious of this as well, so you know this is your market. 
and I think everybody already accepted this fact. The other aspect to it is when we work with European or, or, or international companies, yeah, this is something that constantly come up. Uh, not only on the IP aspect or the copy aspect, but as well on the relationship between um, them and their manufacturers and building this trust. I, we've been here long enough to have heard countless stories where yeah, things went south. That, I mean, copy will always be here. And it's not only in China, you know. In the US today, you can see even the big market leader like uh, Instagram is copying Snapchat into the future. I mean, copy is everywhere. The only way to uh, fight against copy is to move faster than your competitors, mm -hmm. as Julian mentioned. And here, I think China is very well uh, understood. And most of our clients, they really have this concern of moving fast and always come up with different ideas to keep the lead. And the new generation in China is, is really looking to buy brands and, and products that represent their vision. So they are not into like uh, trying to buy the copy. I think this is kind of past. Um, if they do, it's because they really don't have the financial to do that. But as soon as they have, they're going to buy the real product. And there is another thing is China is mostly like e-commerce based. So if you have good cooperation with the e-commerce platform, if you have your store on Jingdong or Taobao, you have your design registered, and then you have another e-store that is selling to sell a copy of yours, you can just go to see Taobao or Jingdong and tell them, okay, I have the patent, this guy is uh, copying me, and they will shut down the store. And this is most important. It's, instead of trying to fight legally the competitor that will take years and a lot of money, you just go to see where they are selling, they will shut down the, the store, and then you protect your, uh, your identity and your IP. I've had this experience with uh, the watch brand I started. Uh, Copy-paste, exactly the same design, also sold on Chinese market on uh, Taobao, Jindong and so on. And the only thing that changed was the name of the company, which was Fake, which I thought was brilliant. Fake, F-A-K-E, <laughs> which was just perfect. And, uh, but so yeah, same, we just contacted Jindong and uh, told them, here's our patent, uh, they don't have the right, and they closed them down. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Mm -hmm. But uh, even further, so not only this company copied uh, my, my brand, uh, we not so long were contacted by somebody who already copied, who is selling it internationally, and called us to ask us to design their new brands, their new uh, models, yeah. which is quite interesting. I mean, and we see this more and more. All these manufacturers and these Chinese brands realize that they need good design to stand out. And so they go really from yeah, copying mentality to uh, innovating. And there is also the economic environment in China where <coughs> the economy is slowing down. And a lot of people are worried about that. But I, I see that as a great opportunity because mm -hmm. if your economy slows down, like it happened in, in Europe and everywhere else, is you spend more time to, to quality. You do less about quantity, but more about quality. And then this is a huge... Uh, Leap forward. Yeah, for us it's, it's a great opportunity because that means instead of launching 50 products per year and that's just a, a, a copy because you don't have time to do design, now they start to really say, okay, we know maybe we're going to launch 10 instead of 50. So we better do it right. So they will spend more time to understand the market, to try to come up with a different design. And for us, I mean, I can see China is, I mean, this kind of copy things is, is still there, but it's not, uh, it's already in the past for most of the people in their mind. Mm. I mean, nobody is really concerned about that. Mm. That's nice to hear that you can focus on other challenges yes. and still need to, to worry about that too much. 
Mm. But of course, when you come from overseas and trying to enter Chinese market, yeah, this yeah, is don't be too naive as well. You know, <laughs> it's it's of course the key is to protect your uh, IP. Mm. Most of the people don't have the reflex to do that. Sometimes we have some startup from uh, Europe calling us about some stuff in China. The first thing we ask is, did you register your uh, design in China? Most of them say no, and this is a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't sell in China, you should always register your brand in China, just in case of uh, security. Because even if you don't go in China, if they see, because today Chinese go everywhere, so if they see an interesting concept in France that have not been in China, in, in China not protected, then Florence is, uh, is a gold mine, you know. So it's always important to protect uh, your IP, and most importantly is to always protect it in China. They will always give priority to the patent application that have been banned locally. So I think this is a very uh, important advice for uh, people entering Chinese market, is, is spending time to protect their uh, IP in China, and after, is, as I say, is not, don't be too naive, is China, the market is moving very fast, and European attitude is more like taking the time to do things. So the risk is being here, they will inspire others, I would say. And then uh, the competitor will maybe say, okay, this is a great idea, they will implement it. And then the next year, they will already come up with a better version as mm-hmm. yours, you know, because yeah. they're moving faster. Yeah, that's the thing I think I noticed. People are not only uh, annoyed, I think people in the West are just sometimes annoyed that they cannot just make something and then sit back and be yes. like, because <laughs> yes. Chinese will copy it and then make it better. Yeah, exactly. You have to just uh, be on the run, you can't just yes. you know, sit on your, on your yes. success, right? So mm. China is a race, you enter, you cannot leave it. If mm. you start to slow down, you, you die. Mm. And it's really, I mean, we can see that in, in Shenzhen, you know, uh, everything is moving fast. So even if you slow down a little bit, the whole city is like catching going, up, yeah. it's like going beyond you, it's, it's crazy. Mm. And uh, yeah, I had an example in mind, but I, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will come up later. Yes. Um, my next question would be just, is there anything like really funny or bizarre that happened to you during your whole time in China? Like maybe personally, professionally, was there anything you thought, oh, this is like such a funny moment, <laughs> I will never forget this? Mm, I mean, we have a lot of things happening yes. every day, so it's hard to <laughs> point uh, one specifically. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, sometime, Especially when we go like to smaller cities, uh, like uh, Terabi, Terci cities, they don't see so many foreigners. And the way they welcome you, I mean, it's very friendly, you know, it's like, they are very happy to welcome you to show the best of their place. But it's, it's over the top. Yeah. But sometimes it's over the top and then they have some, uh, I mean, you know, just writing our name. Like 80% of the time when we are invited to give speeches, uh, our name is always right and wrong. And it's always fun to discover the way they're going to write it because, you know, you just arrive on the stage and your name is like full scale and like two, three meters. Yeah. And then half of the time it's wrong. And <laughs> or they hire uh, bodyguards to make <laughs> you look very important when you enter the room. Or, yes. I mean, this kind of, yeah, we, we've seen our share of, uh, of weird stories like this. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's part of the fun. It's oh, yeah, like, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like a specific, uh, the, the fake stuff for me, that one was uh, a highlight. You know, the, the, the brand copying called fake. Yeah. That one is a nice one. Yeah. Did you think he knew it was... But I think in Chinese, I, I didn't dig further, but fake uh, must mean something else than fake. Yeah. <laughs> I could not tell you what, but yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, we also had a, we saw an exhibition once, a coffee booth uh, that sold roasted coffee beans and then flavor. <laughs> Different flavors, like, you know, chocolate and nutty flavor, and one of them was charcoal. Charcoal. Makes me think. Yeah, this is quite funny. When we travel, you know, they, so they always put like, English name to look international, mm. but they have no idea what the English name means. Mm. Most of the time, they like do like kind of Google Translate, and sometimes you come up with very funny English name. Yeah. Or like a, a coffee shops called Template, <laughs> because <laughs> they just downloaded the template from internet and put it on the store. <laughs> yes. The, yeah, we see this kind a lot. Yeah, yeah, very. I think on internet you can find a lot of this kind of I picture, like yeah. of the food menu where they put uh, the English translation that means really stupid things. Mm. Uh, it's, it's quite funny, yeah. That's really funny. Cool, yeah, so I think that already leads me to my last question. What do you think, uh, in your opinion, is the most charming thing about China? Uh, there is a lot, again. Mm. Uh, but I, I, what I love here is an um, optimistic attitude and the confidence in the future. Uh, again, as I, I explained a bit before, is like France is very pessimistic. Uh, for uh, for them, it's like the future is a lot of worries, like uh, a lot of bad things will happen. In China, they are like, really see the bright side of the future, and 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 this makes the world things very different. I can really see the difference between Hong Kong and Shenzhen today. Hong Kong, I can feel like they they have uh, not this kind of uh, spark of light. I will say. Really, when I cross the border and enter Shenzhen, boom, I really feel, mm. even the taxi driver attitude is very different from Hong Kong, where he half insults you when you give the address where to go. <laughs> here is like, everybody is, yeah, feels so happy, even everybody here is going through some tough time, you know, everybody, everybody wants a crazy, a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, but people always have the smile and the good attitude, and this makes it like very, very uh, attractive to me. Mm. Uh, for me, the most charming part would be the, the people. Uh, Chinese people, even though I mean they, they often can be quite rough on the outside, they're they're some of the nicest and most kind people I've I've met, really. Um, yeah, this makes I mean living and working here that more charming. Mm. I, I think if the people weren't this warm-hearted, it would be something very different. Yeah, yeah. In, in the six and year, half years I've been in China, I never felt. <coughs> Any Chinese very aggressive against me, you know. Uh, I've been to through a lot of situations, and everybody's always so so nice, so friendly. So, and this make make you feel, even though you have this huge cultural difference, this huge language barrier. Even the guy doesn't speak a word of English, he's still gonna make you feel like uh, he's so uh, yeah. he's so eager to communicate with you, you know. Mm. And and I really appreciate this attitude. Yeah, I, I guess it really depends also kind of with what uh, attitude you come into here. Of course. Yeah, so if you, if you come with a positive attitude, that's what you're going to experience. If yes. you come with an attitude like, yes. oh, I'm better than all of you and you can, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. serve me, then I think that's, you will have a different experience. Which yes. a lot of people do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people do that, um, which I can understand because their mark is more developed, etc. So maybe they think they have better education, things like that. But I think it just shows that things can change quickly and, mm. um, you know, the, the, the spirit and the attitude is just very important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, anything else you uh, want to add or you think is important to know about China? Any tips you would give or anything about your business? What, anything new, fun you're coming up? 
But so yeah, many new projects coming out from Jika. Uh, so, you know, industrial design, so that means product design. We design a lot of different products from electronic products to lifestyle products. Um, and starting to do our own products in the near future. Uh, and then branding, visual identity, uh, so which means we design uh, logos, packagings, and everything around a brand. Yeah, actually, about that, <clears throat> so uh, as we were saying before, it's like, the first step for it was to help Chinese company to move to global. Mostly we're a high-tech company. No, we are more focusing, I mean, we still do that, but we are also a lot of clients no, for Chinese market and more lifestyle, uh, like perfume, uh, jewelry, uh, lifestyle brand, you know, so it's, it's more, um, uh, less technological, I would say. But for us, like the coming five to 10 years, uh, we, we have different things we can see. It's first, uh, international companies are more and more eager to enter Chinese market because the Chinese market is, is, is start to have a critical mass, like the medium class start to have a good consuming power, the new generation want to really buy quality product uh, instead of the quantity. And so this creates a lot of good opportunities for international brands to enter Chinese market. And the huge experience we build up here, I think we can really be beneficial for international companies looking to settle down here. Uh, so through the graphics, through the product, but also like all the branding and market studies and like just, yeah, just give us like give them the right tools and the right person to successfully launch the business in China. That's the first thing. I think we might have more and more international brands looking to enter and incorporate with us. And the second part is we really see like this kind of new wave of Chinese products, uh, like through the tea, through the alcohol, through the fashion. Uh, we really believe in the coming five to 10 years, they will also start to expand uh, overseas. Renault is too early because they are not ready yet, they are still like developing within the Chinese market. But I don't know if you know the brand like Shicha, Haiti. Mm, sure, yeah. So for example, this brand, because uh, just yeah, to rewind a little bit, uh, for example, the coffee culture in China. Before Starbucks entered here, it was like mostly non-existent. The few that were doing it, it was like shitty coffee, not really organized as a chain brand or anything. Starbucks entered China, then this like, so they took the world market, but then they also give a huge learning experience to competitors like uh, Luckin Coffee that today is catching up to, to Starbucks. And this is like very normal business model in China. It's like, they're gonna see something overseas, they're gonna do the local competitors like Facebook, they have uh, WeChat, Amazon, they have Taobao, and these kind of things, they cannot go outside of China. Because if Luckin Coffee go to US, they're not going to bring anything different. These are kind of the same as Starbucks. Uh, if Tabao go to uh, US, it's going to be the same. But then we see the next wave of huge Chinese companies like uh, Haiti, Shisha, for example, uh, instead of doing coffee, they focus on tea and they really bring something different. And this Haiti, so right now they are focusing on expanding in China, but we can totally imagine this brand one day opening a store in Paris and they're going to have no competitors, nobody doing this in, in, in Europe. And they're going to bring really something different to the game. And that's where we see the future of China. It's like the soft power to promote their culture because they have such a long history and so many things to inspire themselves that nobody knows in Europe and US. So this, I think, is a huge uh, future growth for China. And that's where we want to focus on as well. It's like all the brands we're helping to do like co-branding and those kind of things. So first is to help them to succeed in China, 
And if it works, we want also to bring our experience to really settle down also and, and, and expand overseas to promote Chinese culture. Because mm -hmm. right now, the Chinese product you can buy overseas is only high-tech. It's like smartphones, drones, cameras, those kind of things. But I mean, a smartphone is a smartphone, it's like a, a screen, you know. You cannot really feel anything no new. Exactly. So it's easy to export, but you have very little impact on, on the feeling you can have and how different it is. So yeah, the next wave will be more like cultural products, exporting from China to overseas. This, uh, we are 200% sure about that. We can see like all the fashion designer know in, in China, like studies, most of them in the best school in the world that came back here and then they are hybriding what they learn with something that nobody knows, the Chinese culture. And this creates totally new different uh, design. And if this kind of brand start to arrive in France, in Europe, in US, I think they will have a huge uh, potential in the future. Yeah, and also more and more Chinese uh, study work and live abroad. So yes. they will be happy to get some new sparks, right? Yes, from what they know. exactly. I definitely want a hot pot chain <laughs> yes. in our country. <laughs> because I don't know why nobody did that yes. yet. <laughs> I think yeah, Chinese food is also something huge. I mean, in France, you know, understanding of Chinese food is uh, is near zero. You know, it's like, uh, it's a big mixed up of like uh, Vietnamese, Taiwanese, even Japanese for them. It's like, okay, it's Chinese food. Is we have chopsticks, it's very limited, you know. And then being here, I realized there are so many things that could be super good to, to bring to France. Mm. But right now, it's still, you know, uh, I think food culture in China is still uh, emerging. Like Shanghai is quite interesting, you have a lot of hybridation between international and, and local. But if you travel in China, you know, most of the time you can have very good local cuisine, but then that's it. If you want to have something a bit different, new modern cuisine, you don't have. So I think they're going to have a lot of innovation in food happening here. And this, again, I will, I will be very excited to see this arriving in, in, in Europe. Mm -hmm. Nice. Cool. So um, if people want to find your brand, your products, or reach out to you personally, how could they find you? So we have a website. Uh, it's barely yes. updated, but uh, there is a contact form. Okay. <laughs> so it's like a Juke. We will give you the, the link, like yes. this, you can put yeah, in yeah. the description. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of our works, you can find them on Behance, Behance, which is a designer website. Um, you can find us on WeChat, type Juke, you'll find us, Ju and which is, uh, how do you call it in English? Uh, ampersand, Ju ampersand Ke, uh -huh. uh, you'll find us. I mean, also you can reach out to you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's, I think laughs> or check, check the link below. Exactly, <laughs> just check the link in the show notes. We have been, uh, the past two years I've been for us, like, we work on maybe over 50 projects, you know? Wow. And what we have put online is like maybe 5%. Mm. So very little of us are, is actually online. Okay. Or come visit us at our office. We're in Upper Hills and more than welcome. Nice, cool. Okay, thank you guys so much. It was super interesting and yeah, wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for your time.